This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at Media Week magazine and our new online home, mediaweek.com.au. We chat weekly with people in all sectors of the media and more podcasts just like this can be found at mediaweek.com.au or on iTunes. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. Dan Barrett, welcome. Uh, Good morning, James. Been a big couple of days for media news, hasn't it? Um, Yeah, I'm definitely a little tuckered out, I'll admit. (laughs) You could do with a weekend of breaking news, I'm guessing, yes? Uh, yeah, we'll see how things go. I guess there are lots of things to talk about. The, the, probably the most interesting one, and it could affect um, the, you know, the viewing, what we get to see on screens as a new chief at Foxtel. Yeah, I mean, this came as a little bit of a surprise, but not a huge surprise either. So it was definitely, I guess, a bit of a shock as the afternoon unfolded yesterday with the news that Richard Freudenstein's out as CEO. Yeah, and replaced by Peter Toner, who returns to Foxtel after quite a long time there, about Mm. nine years, I think. He was sort of chief operating officer under Kim Williams and then uh, Richard Freudenstein. He was at News Corp as the chief executive, but gee, it was only about, I think it was less than 12 months in the job there. And it's kind of interesting because you think about the line of procession going from running Foxtel and do as Kim Williams did and move up the ladder to heading News Corp, but instead it's gone the other direction. And to me, I think that maybe that just shows they want a very firm hand on Foxtel moving forward. Also, I mean, he's got the experience at Foxtel, and you'd have to think that the Foxtel gig is probably the best media job in Australia. It's not only just a great company at the moment, but I think it's got so much potential to move forward. And while they've definitely got some issues, and I'm sure we'll discuss that in the next few minutes, there's still a lot of things they are doing right, and a lot of things they can start doing to make themselves a little bit more savvy, and I guess sort of um, 2016, 17 and onwards friendly. Yeah, I think you're spot on when you say it's probably the best media job, and I, I, I think it's probably almost a better job than... CEO of News Corp, oh, you know, I think even so. though in theory they're your masters, mm. but this is the a very critical part of News Corp globally. It's their most important uh, revenue stream in Australia, I think, now. And um, they just want to make sure it stays that way. And they've got very safe hands there now. That's it. And I mean, I don't think that innovation at Foxtel has gone in the right way since Kim Williams was, you know, had his hand on the ship. So there's just a lot of opportunity now to really just sort of correct some of the things that maybe they should have been doing and just heading in that right direction. So there's a lot of opportunity to play. And what a gig. Yeah, absolutely. Before we unload on Richard Frudenstein, (laughs) I mean, he's a real pioneer at Foxtel. He was there Mm. in the 90s, in the early days. He went away for a little while. I think he worked at Sky. I spent a bit of time on The Australian, I think. Um, He might have worked in New York. I'm not sure, too. But but anyway, he's had a a good career and, um, you know, steered the ship um, reasonably smoothly after Kim Williams left. Had a uh, price drop, which seemed to work. pretty well, stopped sort of a, maybe some slippage of their numbers, got them to trend up again, I guess, I know, which was good, yeah. Main, maintained their sort of revenues, maintained some, their profitability, I think, but there's certainly worries about their, um, their future. Yeah, so I mean, churn's amazing. So they've reduced the churn. In fact, it's now opposite figure. So that's amazing. Uh, half year results showed, was it 5.5% like, increase from you mm. know, the previous sort yeah, of half Yeah, I mean, it year, wasn't so. a bad number. Yeah, yeah, so like they're doing fine in regards to that. But where I think that maybe Freudenstein was going a little bit sort of off base is that a lot of the movies he was making was replicating what had been successful in his tenure over at Sky. The problem is the media industry and the delivery and consumption has changed so dramatically just in that time period. So I think a lot of the things that were working a few years ago, I don't think you get up and running with those moves now. I think it needs to be something else happening. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things that I guess didn't go well. And look, I'm not linking he, him with this, but it was during his time, I guess, the um, IQ3. You mm. know, I, 
I've, I'm a big fan of Foxtel. I use it a lot, but I've never been able to upgrade to IQ3 because people just tell me, oh, look, it hasn't been right. It's still not right. So, yeah. you know. I was talking to a few of their tech guys a few weeks ago, and they were saying that the IQ3, definitely a troubled product when it came out. But as time's gone on, they've been able to write the product. So it's all right now, you think? Well, they seem to say so. I've I, never, I could dive in, you think? Yeah, I, I've never had the opportunity, so I can't no, really okay. say myself. But he was saying that, by and large, it's working perfectly well nowadays. And he was saying that the IQ2, if it was in the age of social media when that had been launched, there would have been a similar sort of narrative around that. Because that was a little bit troubled at first, but very quickly they ironed out the bugs in it. So I think IQ3, based on what he was saying, could just be a combination of um, you know a product that wasn't quite right when launched that just kind of got hammered reputation-wise. I think it's fair to say Presto hasn't really captured the public's imagination. Um, mm. f- for me, if you're a Foxtel subscriber, I just can't see the reason to get Presto. It doesn't offer you anything different. But I don't think it needs to be. I think that for Presto, it should be people like me who doesn't have a Foxtel subscription and is looking for TV that's delivered in a more robust, more digital-friendly way. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I'm sure Foxtel is going to change over the next year or two. We've already seen signs of that. But with Peter Sonic coming in, like it's obviously going to start shifting to be more in sort of a Dan-friendly sort of a form. But I mean, something like Presto, I think you are going for a, card, a cord-cutting audience rather than someone of whom is happy with a traditional linear TV experience. Well, do, but do, are you happy with their... With Presto? Yeah. Well, see, the I offering? Think... I mean, it's very early days, but still, I mean, it's but to me, Stan's early... got a bit more of an exciting aura around it. I think the problem is, is, and Stan was a little bit guilty of this at the beginning as well, where they came out with sort of solid movie libraries, but TV was a little bit weak. Um, I think Stan recognised the value of TV from the get-go, but a lot of their library at launch was very UK TV focused. And I think that for a lot of the cord-cutting generations to really want to embrace it, it has to be some of these big marquee American programs. Uh, for uh, Presto, I think their problem is that the content they've got the access to is largely that HBO library. But I'm presuming based on the content we're seeing through there, as well as movies that we're seeing internationally, that a lot of the HBO content is restricted to things that are two or three years and older, that not letting them have access to that brand new stuff. If you could have Game of Thrones out there day and day, I'm sure Presto would be doing this. That would be driving subscriptions in a huge way. But they're limited by what they can put out. And their acquisitions on the TV front haven't been great. Their movie library is phenomenal. I think you get so many great films. Yeah, but it's still, to me as a consumer, it's confusing. Do I get the 10 buck TV sub? Do I take it all for $15? To me, it's not good to give people the choice, I don't think. Because then it throws, puts them into a limbo and they don't do anything because they're not sure which way to go it should be black model t fords for everyone exactly but presto apparently the majority of subscriptions are for both right so they tend to find it's very rare that people go for one or the other yeah but never not a hint of any subscriber numbers out of that's the other out of presto which is the other thing which makes you think okay well Mm. they're obviously want to pump it up a little bit before they put anything out and when you're talking about subscriber numbers, don't forget when they talk about how successful the platform is, uh, they're often not breaking it away from the Foxtel numbers as well. Uh, so you do find that you're not quite sure exactly how many Presto subscribers there are, how many of those are free subscribers that are considered paying because there's free deals coming through their Foxtel subscription. But when they it's a bit release the Foxtel numbers, they don't include Presto subscribers. Do they, they do. Or do they? They oh, do. Okay. So when you look at it, they'll say that that includes Foxtel Play and Presto within their digital. Okay. Yeah. But you... Oh, yeah, okay. The other thing is that uh, Foxtel Go, I think, is a great um, initiative. It's a great product, but I just think a lot of people don't know about it. 
Well, that's it. Uh, my mum's laid up in bed at the moment. Just uh, she's got a busted knee, which I think I briefly mentioned on the last podcast. Greetings um, to Mrs. Barrett. Yeah, and, but uh, I sent her a message this morning saying, "Well, why are you lying in bed? Like, access Foxtel Go." Mm. Which she can't get to the TV, and this is like the perfect solution for it. Didn't know it existed, so this morning I did a tutorial over the phone to get her yeah. up and running. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Anything else you want to say about that? Oh. It'd be interesting to see if there's a, you know, a change of strategy. I, I'm not sure how that price rise was greeted either. With Look, it was only a dollar, but mm. the headline for a lot of people was the Foxtel price rise. The dollar was maybe buried a little bit. So at the time of year when the AFL's starting, the yep. NRL's just started, presumably their biggest months for subscriptions or renewals, um, you just don't want any of that negativity out there. But also this comes just weeks after Channel V closed and a few of these other things, which viewership for Channel V, not high, which we know. But even so, it's just seen as being one of these sort of kicks to the idea of value coming from your Foxtel subscription. Yeah, it just gives you a perception that G Foxtel's not as good as it once yeah. was, maybe. Charging more for giving Charging less. more for less. Even though it's substantially less than people were paying two years ago for that entry-level package. But when you do bundle in a few packages, you're still paying what you were a few years ago. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sorry, something I did want to just say with Foxtel. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do do in the next, say, two years to try to become a bit more digital-friendly. And this will probably lead into what we're talking about with Optus in a moment. Because the thing with Foxtel is they've got Foxtel Play, which is all their linear channels being delivered online. Uh, they've got Foxtel Go, which is kind of the same experience, but Go is for subscribers, Play is for people that aren't existing subscribers. When you look at the like rollout of that, while it's a perfectly fine product, access to it has been really quite difficult. Unless you had a video game console or you're just watching on mobile, you're kind of a bit out of luck. Whereas you look at maybe what Fetch are doing, and we'll talk about this in a second, they're releasing a very small set-top box, which just essentially streams things online. It's exactly the same as Foxtel Play, but has that hardware component that Foxtel, I think, has been missing. So I reckon maybe that's the play they'll be looking at in the All right, well, we'll get into that in a minute. So, yeah, so we'll go to go to the... Um, yeah, now, that one of the threats to Foxtel, I guess, is, mm. is you know, telcos. Yeah. Well, telco, I guess, Telstra half-owns um, Foxtel. Let's talk, they want to get out of their, their share somehow, but um, that's that's really just sort of speculation early days, so we can talk about that maybe in another podcast. But Optus significantly investing again this week in sports rights, really becoming a go-to place for um, big, big-ticket international um, soccer. Yeah, or I football, mean, they, sorry. Yeah, they really... <laughs> you don't want to call it soccer. <laughs> it's football, it's the world game, James. I'm a Victorian, that's my... <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they are looking at very much becoming the home of football in Australia, and it'd be interesting to see if they start going after the A-League in the next couple of years as well, because you'd assume that that kind of rounds out their football package. Yeah, well, we did ask um, Michael Abid, the SBS um, chief executive, does, how does this affect their A-League plans, having the EPL? And he said, look, um, he didn't really commit either way, but he said, we've still got another year to go, 2017, before that deal finishes. Mm. But he said, we'll decide what to do at the end of that period. Um, but we're still very interested. We also asked him in our interview this week about is there a could this be a start of a longer term partnership with Optus? Because uh, they seem very friendly. He said, Yeah, look, we get on very well. They're very easy to deal with, and you never know what the future might hold. Which could bring up my speculation, not anyone from Hoff got anywhere else. Yeah. Is that if, you know, Optus and SBS put in a bid for the A League rights, you know, that could be a, a killer, you know. And oh. Uh, and almost a knockout summer blow for Fox Sports at the same time. 
in, I mean, the thing is, obviously, they've got AFL and NRL sort of rights as well. Do you yeah, but they're the winter, that, though. But that's, that's a good point. That doesn't give them much in summer, though. You know, they've got the NBL, but that's really informal, you know, um, very early days on um, yeah. subscription TV. And I guess for Foxtel, as things start moving more digitally, it's going to become more transient with their subscriber base, where people are turning it on for the months that they find value. So you're right. I mean, that could cause a huge problem if they don't have that summer support access. Mm. Yeah, we haven't heard how much... Optus. Um, it was interesting that SBS had those, was able to sell that, all those, all those um, FIFA World Cup rights mm. as the rights holder for this territory. So nobody's spoken yet about how much Optus paid for that. But the SBS boss said, well, they got they got cash and they got EPL games, but they've come out with so they the cash was a was a fair bit, and they've come out. You know, it's financially a positive deal for them. Yeah. I mean, SBS, you'd assume that there's probably a cash injection coming for those World Cup games that SBS can de- desperately use right oh, now. So. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive thing for Optus to be able to market, even though it's once every four years for, you know, I don't mm. know six weeks or however long it lasts. It's, you know, it's a, really up there as the, the prime football asset you can possibly own. Very much. I mean, it brands SBS so heavily that even outside of the World Cup year, you still think very much about SBS when the World Cup's even mentioned. So, mm. so I'll get you yeah. to talk to me about what this could mean for Fetch. But in the Optus announcement, they said their pricing details will be announced mid-year for, for people who want to watch the EPL. Mm. But SBS told us they didn't think Optus will charge any extra to existing customers to watch. Yeah, I don't think they will. Now, the big conversation around soccer, sorry, football fans <laughs> the last couple of days has been just whether or not people of whom aren't on the Optus networks will be able to access the service. The sort of side issue as well has been pubs and clubs where people were wondering whether Optus would strike a deal with them in order to be able to bring the sports to them. They've announced that it's coming via, was it Optus Satellite, I think they okay. announced. I'm not quite sure which pubs and clubs have access to that, so... That's a big question. Yeah, well, that might be a new area they'll start, you know, getting into. Very much so. So I'm not quite sure exactly how that works from a tech delivery standpoint. But yeah, so you are looking at uh, Fetch TV being the primary carrier for them. Uh, This comes at a time where Fetch are ready to roll out the new Fetch TV slim down box. So tell me about this now. On the release, they called this a mini set-top box that would enable mobile customers to stream their signal to a TV? It was very awkwardly phrased in that media release, but I've got a bit more of an understanding on it, which is that... Well, first of all, how big? Okay. I like the sound of a mini box. Well, Are we talking a packet of cigarettes <laughs> or much bigger? Well, or? Let's talk about the Fetch TV product itself first. Okay. Um, first of all, they'd be hesitant to actually say they're a Foxtel competitor. Okay, they try to become a bit of an add-on to your... Alternative? Can we call well, they're a Foxtel? telco bundle rather than being a direct uh, Foxtel competitor. Okay. Uh, their CEO is Scott Lawson. He's regularly just sort of saying that people don't wake up in the morning thinking they're going to become a Fetch subscriber. Okay, and then pick up the phone and do that. Rather, it's when they're choosing their ISP. So well, they do Optus. it by accident when they well, sign to exactly Optus. Well, that's exactly it. So you ring up Optus and they'll say, oh, are you interested in Fetch TV as well? And then for a few bucks extra a month, you've got your Fetch service, depending what your plan is. Now, while they've got that covered for Optus Broadband, there's the idea of mobile. And so what the plan for Fetch is, is that instead of with broadband, we get their PVR, which has an onboard hard drive recording all these shows. For mobile subscribers, what they're going to do to upsell them is to provide these small little boxes, which are kind of like an Apple TV-sized box. So small. It's It's really small. small. Um, Hockey puck size, the standard sort of small streaming box type size. And it just connects to your TV. Uh, It runs the same as a Fetch TV PVR does. The only difference is for all the TV shows you want to record, records in the cloud rather than as something which is actually on your 
box itself. So it work, looks and feels exactly like Fetch TV. Remote control is exactly the same. Uh, you still stream all the channels that they come through there and you pick up free-to-wear channels through it as well. And you just make those recordings in the cloud instead. So people will be able to record in the cloud on that one? Yeah, wow. completely. So it's, and like playing around with it, like it runs pretty fast. It's a smooth, you know, fun Does that cloud. happen much anywhere? Um, people being able to record video in the cloud? Not really. And because it's sort it, of uses yeah. a fair bit of bandwidth. You Look, need a does. fair bit of storage. And the thing that kind of makes me sort of curious about that cloud recording is if you remember the Optus court case from a couple of years ago where Optus launched a cloud recording solution, if you recall, uh, the AFL took them to court right. and yeah. Channel 7 and was Foxtel involved there as well? Probably, yeah. I don't recall. Yeah, but they yeah. were going to, yeah. Yep, I remember but that. But yeah, suddenly everyone took them to court and so a lot of the burgeoning cloud recording services all had to shut down as a result of it. And I don't know what's different about the Fetch TV deal to what they were doing previously. So that'll be an interesting area to explore in a not too distant future. Yeah. yeah. Because it's available only through the Fetch TV box, like that might be the loophole. Right. And yeah. the the Optus dedicated football channel, mm. that will be streamed as well as an option on your fetch yeah box. so fetch tv when you've got the interface it's just like normal it's like foxtel yeah. where you've got up down and you just go through your channels that but way not a load up the epg and you just see all the channels laid out so it'll just be an extra channel added into the mix but they were saying i read somewhere like 10 extra channels to cope with all the games being played as yeah as so, required so yeah. they'll just pop up channels if they whenever yeah. there's a two games on at once they'll which you can do in a digital one. environment so sure yeah sure the, um, the existing fetch box is pretty big. That's partly because it's got so many tuners in it. Is that right? Well, that's it. So it's, I mean, it's kind of like the IQ box. It's a very similar size and just sits there and does what it does. But yeah, when you get that sort of smaller version, the button And it's got pretty mobiles. big storage too, hasn't it? Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember box. now. Is it a terabyte? Look, I haven't run more, out of storage. It'd be close to a terabyte if not yeah, two. Yeah, I think it's bigger than anyone else's. I actually want to say it's two terabytes, but yeah, don't hold big, me to that. And what you got, how many shows can you record at once? Oh, what's, what's your max? Where have you pushed it? I've never really tested the limits, but the thing with Fetch as <laughs> well surprised. is... <laughs> but it's not just the tuners, because you can record the free-to-wear, but they've also got all the other channels that they pipe through, like BBC First and National Geographic and MTV, and starting in April, Comedy Central. So you've got that coming through as well. Okay, that's right. Um, yeah, and they do promise there's a few extra channels coming to Fetch throughout the year also. So that might be one to keep your eye on. And sorry, something I didn't say was the deal with the mobiles would be that... If you do end up signing up to Optus, you know, you're getting your $50 plan, whatever it might be, as part of that deal, there might be a fetch box thrown into that. So that's working with those mobile deals and that's how the cloud solution comes into it all. Yes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So lots lots to watch out there for and um, it's, it's a good deal for SBS, good deal for Optus and it's yeah. a good deal for Fetch. I'd say too. a great deal for Fetch. I mean, like the brand recognition for them has just skyrocketed in the last 24 hours. Mm. Like people are actually discussing them as a serious alternative in a way that... I don't think they were before this EPL deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, still in that sort of, um, it's not really SVOD, but it's a it's a competitor, I guess, to Foxtel and the free-to-air people is the yeah. um, Hayu streaming service, which we've got a start date for. Uh, yeah, so 22nd of March, we're going to start seeing that roll out. So that's two days shy of the one-year anniversary of Netflix launching the country. 
And interesting seeing, just going back to Foxtel a bit, uh, Richard Freudenstein stepping down within a year of Netflix launching. Mm. I'm not saying that's a direct cause, but you know that adds to the narrative, I think, as to what we're seeing. Yeah, there. absolutely. $5.99 yeah. a month, you, which sounds pretty cheap for a uh, 30, 30 days of TV, doesn't it? It's pretty good. So essentially what this is, it is all the reality content you're pretty much seeing on E! these days. And I think Arena plays a fair bit of this as well. It's all the stuff from NBC Universal. As all well the as Housewives the, franchise. All the housewives except for melbourne obviously because that's the foxtel one uh so you see all the housewives the kardashians it's still there. owned by nbcu ultimately so maybe there's yeah. a window when that might be available we might see older seasons yeah so that's a question top chefs on there a whole bunch of these big brand marquee reality shows and it's going to be mostly day and dates they haven't really committed which ones are day and date, but the way that I think it works is that all the NBC Universal stuff will see day and date, but they're also bringing in some other stuff from third parties, so that might be the stuff that we see as having a bit more of a shelf date. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly interested to go in. and Well, they have, they've got a trial period too. Do they give you a free month or something? I'm not actually too sure on that off the top of my head. You almost feel a bit scungy going at $5 saying, oh, can I have a free <laughs> trial in here? Cause Look, there probably is. It's a cup of coffee, isn't it? You the absolute well. winning thing with Heyu. Now, we were discussing this in the office the other day. The amount of conversation around Heyu is minimal at this point. But where I think it's really going to start playing is once one person starts subscribing it, they'll be telling their reality TV loving friends. And then this is going to be a word of mouth product in a very big way. And when you actually look at the product itself, uh, there is very strong social integration into it where the great thing with the reality is, is that there's one or two moments in every episode where someone says something really, really dumb or just hilarious or bitchy, just a really catty thing. And so that's the line that suddenly just jumps out at you. And you can find those moments in the app press the button, share it to social, so you can share it to your Facebook or Twitter. And that's where I think people will really start learning that Heyu exists and start bringing people back to the app. So I think it's very, very smart the way that they're rolling that aspect out. Yeah, well, I think the key content could be the Kardashians because anything yeah. a Kardashian does is, is front page news for any of the websites, whether it's the Sydney Morning Herald or Daily <laughs> Telegraph through to TMZ or you know, yeah. celebrity-only um, outlets. And... When people start discussing that, they think, oh, well, how do I get that? Well, Foxtel, and you've got to have the entertainment package or something, so it's 50, 60 bucks, whatever. Or you can pay five ninety nine and get exactly. them the same day the screen in the US for Hey You. And so there's Kardashians fans who aren't some Foxtel subscribers. And when you think about the audience for a lot of reality, you are looking at teenagers and sort of early 20-somethings. Hmm. These are people that probably don't have the budget or inclination to want to get a cable box and then also the TV. Often they won't have TVs of their own where they can watch that sure. content. So, I mean, for that audience specifically, like a mobile solution on iPad and, you know, your iPhone, like that's a pretty amazing yeah, solution for them. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk a bit about this after it's been up and um, in a couple of weeks we'll probably have both had a bit of a play with it. Well, I've actually had a play with the app as well. So I've spent a fair Did they have much content it. loaded on there when you Oh, look, I mean, it? it doesn't launch until the 22nd, but I do have it sneakily loaded. And yeah, looking at it, like all the content's up and running, it plays pretty quickly. Uh, there is a bit of a lag between pressing play and actually launching. When I first did it, I thought it was the Wi-Fi that I was on, but I've tried it in a few areas now and it definitely is Have you asked them about that yet? Or? Haven't asked them yet. And it could have been because it was in sort of beta? Uh, look, I mean, that's possible as well. So I want to see it actually launch. But from what I understand, server-wise, like it should be coming from the CDN in the same way now as saw, when it launches. I saw some stats the other day for... Um um, that delay in video and it's a video ad when someone's on a website and there's a delay in the video ad something like 40% of people go because mm. they go oh I'm not waiting I've got something else to do and they oh, click yeah. away and <laughs> so you've really got to it sounds like a little yeah. 
you know, first world problem, but yeah. it does affect people. It does. When you're in an app, though, it's probably a little bit more leniency you're going to give the app. But even so, if you do find lag just continuously, that is a bit of a, yeah, negative. Sure. I wanted to uh, mention the Austan multi-screen report because that, uh, that affects all this um, this stuff we're talking about, all these changing uh, viewer um, viewing behaviour, viewing patterns and the way people consume their video content. wanted to run some of it through these key findings. I mean, I've been looking at this report for the, I don't know how many years they've been doing it, and it's, and it's good and it tracks all the trends, you know. But some of the stuff, I look at it and go, mm, really? You know, the numbers don't seem to change very often. So let, let me sort of bounce off some of these yeah, to sure. you. So 22 million Australians watch broadcast TV. That's either, the, the definition of that is either free to wear or subscription each month. So that's, um, what's that, 87% of the population. And that's it's very high, isn't it? It is. But we ask, so like, that there is a drop of people that are watching free-to-wear TV. And I think this is coming from that age group I was just talking about with Heyu, where you've got these, um, they're not millennials anymore at this point, it's what Generation Z, I think, is the marketing term for them. And these are people of whom have grown up without the reliance on the TV. When I was a kid, like a lot of kids had TVs in their bedrooms, but I don't think that's the case anymore. They've just got the iPad. Hmm. And so when you're looking at this multi-screen report, it's just showing that diminishing number but of But that's people. not measuring iPads and that. It's, it's only free-to-air TV. Oh, well, I'm just saying you've got fewer people watching free-to-air TV. Cause well, but, well not that many because it's still 22.15. Uh, no, there is, but we're just saying there's a very small drop. Yeah, but they're very tiny, aren't they? Yeah. They're very tiny movements. Okay, 91.4% mm. of all broadcast TV viewing is live. Really? 91%? Well, I mean, I presume that's the case. Well, I, mean, I sort of believe it, but, you know, when there's there's a lot of hype about the growth of catch-up, yeah. you know. Um, it's, it's high. <laughs> it it's, is high. And I mean, it's staying, I mean, it's getting closer to 90%, but the way it's dropping, it's going to be 90 It's going to take a few more quarters to it is, get but to 90 or below. It's probably just symptomatic of the fact that the majority of Australians are older people generally. Like you're looking at a very high population of people sort of 50 on where the reliance on catch-ups probably not necessarily a huge part of their consumption. But as years go on and that generation starts to disappear, we're going to see those figures change perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, 99% of all broadcast TV material viewed each month happens on in-home TV sets. Yeah, I sort of believe that because until a few months ago, there was no other way to watch it, wasn't there? That's it. Are they talking there about people sitting in a McDonald's and watching the TV outside? Yeah, but they can't measure that, can they? <laughs> I'm not sure. You go around they to can't. every Hungry Jacks and see what. Oh happens. yeah, but they can't measure the people watching TV in public places like no, hotels, stores, and all that. So, I mean, maybe that one percent is for you know statistical. I guess one hundred percent of homes can add access digital. Yeah, well, that's sort of yeah, okay. Mm. That's obvious. Because, um, yeah, just, sorry, we're talking about what quarter is this for? It was. This is um, ending December. Yeah, so Q2. Is it Q2 of financial year or do they say Q4? Q4 of calendar year. They say Q4 yeah. calendar year. Yeah. If you think about that, Channel 7 only launched their simulcast channels right. in, yeah. what was it, uh, early November? Yeah, yeah, late last year. So, so that kind of impacted that. on So the, the only streaming channel is ABC News 24. Yeah, and that's. Yeah. Um, 32% of homes have internet-capable TVs, whether connected or not. Mm. That, that seems sort a of low. seems right. Yeah, I, I was going to say that's probably yeah. almost low, isn't it? Yeah. Like I'd a couple of quarters ago, you might have gone, oh, it's high. But I reckon people have it. They don't necessarily have it connected. I'd like to see the percentage that are connected. Yeah. Now, it could just be that. And what, count, what qualifies as a connection to... Yeah. 
It could be more low-end TVs, and if they don't have the internet connection happening as part of that. So if a lot of people are out there buying sort of no-name TVs, fairly can cheap, you, which is I still suppose you can still buy yeah. a TV with no internet capability. Yeah, I guess. But I haven't been in a market for a cheap TV to sort of reveal that, so I'm not yeah, too sure. But I presume that's probably the... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 49% of homes have tablets. Well, it's gone up from 47. Yeah, which is always going to be the case. But the other thing to keep in mind is the limited churn, or the actual churn that's happening with tablets, which is people hold on to them for much longer and aren't buying new tablets. So the number of tablets that are out in the marketplace are probably the same figure we're going to see for a few years to come. Like growth on it is so small. Sure. Um, 13 million Australians watch some video on the internet each month. Um, such viewing is highest amongst 18 to 24s. So yeah. I get which, that. Which correlates with the idea of so many people still watching broadcast TV live. And I wonder, but does this probably does this count if you go on to um, a website and there's an auto play of a video? Does that I count? You? Not. I no. think that's talking about sort of what we consider to be TV content. So this is actually somebody pursuing and clicking on a. Yeah, I presume. Yep. Yep. Um, 84% of all video viewing across all screens, including broadcast and non-broadcast, takes place in on in-home TV sets. Now, that's quite high. Come on, you've got to agree there. Oh, yeah, no, it's... Yeah. That's very high. It's exceedingly high. Uh, doesn't say what that's changed from, but you would think that's a figure that's going to drop, wouldn't you? No. Across all screens, so eighty. So let's call it eighty-five percent of all video viewing across all screens takes place on the on in-home TV sets. Actually, that probably makes sense. I mean, really, how much TV? Including broadcast and non-broadcast. Yeah, but I mean that makes sense because you look at mobile data costs, and it's so high. Uh, yeah, the only TV that I see people a lot of watching, people watch YouTube on their phones on the train. On yeah, is this tablets? Is this considering YouTube though, or is this really just talking about all video viewing? All video viewing. That's got to include YouTube. Yeah, I mean, presumably. If you're not including YouTube, well, it's meaningless stat, isn't I'm it? Just, I'm just thinking about the amount of data that, that sort of consumes. Because when I'm sitting on the train in the morning, and up until the last couple of months, I was doing this horrendous sort of two-hour trip on trains each day. So I've definitely spent a fair bit of time on trains to be monitoring yeah. people's behaviour. See very few newspapers, but I do see a lot of people watching TV. But it's all stuff exactly. that seems to have either been bought on iTunes or stuff that's been downloaded off the internet. But it and doesn't because, matter. This is I know all video at, viewing. No, it is. And because I know what I'm looking at TV show-wise, I know what people have been buying illegally and what they have just been downloading. And there's certainly a lot more downloading happening than legitimate purpose, purchases. But yeah, so I don't know if they're including that sort of torrent behavior as part of video as well, because that number could change dramatically if you think about public transport. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that seems very low, or, or it's, I mean, let's say it's right, but it's a number that presumably will drop mm. reasonably significantly yeah. as soon the as next that data, couple of years. Data values get better, I think you're going to start seeing that dramatically change. Sure, sure. Um, Freeview comes into all this. Now, you've been speaking to Freeview quite a bit in the last couple of months. Yeah. They're doing some interesting stuff with uh, working with the, the networks and their streaming strategies and all this. What are they up to? Uh, well, Freeview announced that they are rolling out a new app in the coming months. 
and Liz Ross insists that we'll be the next couple of Who's months. Who's the chief executive chief down of there? Freeview. So we'll see if that sort of comes to play because Freeview have talked a lot about products coming, haven't necessarily all been delivered in the timeframes that we've expected. But she does say this is coming. And I've got their new CEO being Clive Dickens, uh, not CEO, um, head of the board. Your chairman. Their chairman. Yep. Uh, being Clive Dickens from Seven, who's head of digital there. Uh, so that may change the way they actually do roll these things out somewhat. But the plan for Freeview is they'll be releasing an app for mobile, which will bring in all the live streams, the simulcast linear streams from all the networks. And then I was told by her that there'd be catch-up content included in that. But I've later sort of discovered that's not quite the case, but you will find some links within the app. So it'll take you to presumably the websites or take you into the other apps that the networks offer to be able to get the catch-up content that way. So it's an interesting move that we'll be able to access all those live streams but I don't think that's the big selling point for um, free-to-air TV streamed online. I think it's that catch-up content that drives more of it. I think you only want to watch those live streams when there's a big event happening. And when he talks to the networks, actually, if you read this week's Media Week magazine, we've got a wrap about this. And if you actually look at what the biggest sort of events have been for these live streams, you're looking at, for Channel 7, it's been those big sporting events. So the tennis earlier this year, the um, Super Bowl, the Melbourne Cup late last year, those have been the big sort of drivers for the live streaming with some watching, but it's not really driving it. Nine have reported that the biggest event they've had has been the Academy Awards. Like that's driven a lot of online streaming. I don't know, I was that day as well, because I was out and about. Really hit my mobile bill pretty hard, but you know, that happened. Uh, but outside of that, they're saying the biggest viewership for them live stream wise is the TV news at 6 p.m which that's something that demands live immediacy. So it makes sense that that's where people are going to for the live stream. Outside of that, there's not a huge demand, I wouldn't say. And the need to like collate them all together in one app, I'd say is pretty minimal. Yeah, well, it's a thing of education though, isn't it? Because we've been trained for decades that the only way to watch Seven's programs is by turning on your TV, watching yeah. that channel, you know. And then they're still, I mean, the multi-channels are still sort of newish phenomena aren't they for, for viewers because they put all the best sh- best rating the most popular shows on the primary channel and everything else has sort of drifted off onto the others the problem for the mobile experience is that you can't have too many ads playing in a row which is where linear tv doesn't quite work for that mobile experience when you're sitting in your lounge room you've got a lot of things to distract you there might be a magazine in hand or your iphone or whatever the case might be so you don't mind being slightly distracted from the ads as they play you'll take some of it in but you're not staring intently when you've got it on your phone you've got it in a tablet it's right there on your lap and you're staring at that thing those ads kill you you want to shift something which is more an on-demand thing rather than a linear stream which is going to be the challenge isn't it building those streaming audiences online mm, um, very much so without them dropping off when all that happens um yeah so we're just on that your story in the in the magazine this week the so you've covered 10 play nine now uh plus seven abc iview and sbs on demand who's doing the best job uh, well, I mean, it really depends what you're looking for. Uh, my own personal consumption, I am a very big sort of art house movie wanker. Um, so SBS On Demand actually works really well for me. They've got a library of like 700 international world movies to free. choose from for free. So, I mean, that's a massive draw card. Mm. In my house, because I'm an Apple TV household, their app is glorious. Like, it is a magnificent looking app. So SBS get a lot of my time and attention through that. Um, ABC iView I quite like. In Why do you that, think they do that? I mean, Why SBS do it? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
It's not widely known, is it, that they've got 700 quite good movies for free? Well, I think it's really just the deal that they well, the library they've built up through having world movies. So they have world well movies and they've almost just get this stuff as a bonus to put well, I online. Think so. So, so I, I can't imagine right. it costs that much to access that library. Yeah, because it's all free. I mean, then. And it's hard to imagine advertisers queuing up to buy ads and all this stuff. I wouldn't imagine so. But, I mean, I think there's a way to get... I mean, the thing with SBS, the TV channel, the way it used to be, at least, was always they were looking for high-end viewers. So you'd see a lot of expensive car ads and that kind of thing. I think maybe that those sort of high-end advertisers are maybe missing an opportunity by not targeting SBS on-demand in that same way. But, yeah, ads on it are definitely pretty sparse. So you get a lot of uninterrupted movies as a result, which works fine for me. Uh, but I like that. I like ABC iView has a lot of shows produced exclusively for the platform. So particularly if you're interested in arts, they've got an arts channel set up with a bunch of shows that are exclusive there and a few things they create for iView exclusively. So I know they've got a show on there called The Critics where it's um, Zan Rowe, who's a Triple J announcer, and Luke Buckmaster, who's the film critic for The Guardian. And it's the two of them just talking about movies released that week and going in-depth about them. So like, that's kind of fun. There's a few comedy shows exclusive there. There's an Annabelle Crab and Lee Sales chat fest, which launched on the platform this week as well. It's only going to be a few weeks, that. isn't it? That one? Um, yeah, so it's, I think second episode gets released today. Uh, Plus Seven, I think, is an interesting interface. But where I think 7, 9, and 10 fall apart a little bit in their offering is that so much of their content is built around linear TV and what works for that as a platform where they don't really have a lot of shows which are made for online viewing and sort of off the linear stream. So when you're looking for content there, it doesn't quite feel right. Like watching two-day-old like reality talent show, it doesn't really quite have that same immediacy and engagement that you have if you're watching it live. I, I found the... Um the plus seven sort of um, offering can uh, range from quite annoying to really good. Like, I've seen a couple of episodes of Downton Abbey on plus seven. Once with the same really annoying ad every ad break. <laughs> yeah. So that was just like an almost deal breaker. The next time, completely ad free. So they're obviously still trying to, you know massage the model to to get it to work and mm. it's almost as if it just runs automated and sometimes they whack up ads sometimes there mightn't be any it's um yeah um but the also, quality was good you know so channel 10 is the one i hear the most complaints about from people really and often a lot of that's because of the same ads playing over and over again and then sometimes things will go to an ad and then not come back and things like that so that's definitely going to be a challenge i guess for their new digital head yeah, that has been in the past, yeah, when I've looked at that's the one with the most ads and it's yeah. it's most like the experience of actually watching T V. But yeah, you're right, you do notice those ads more mm. when you're engaged. Um when you yeah. uh, well even if you're watching on a big T V and you're streaming from another device. Yeah. You somehow seem to notice the ads because you realise it's not broadcast TV. Also because that's a lean forward experience. I mean you're still watching on your big screen T V, but you've made a very purposeful decision to watch that. Mm. So Yeah, you're still looking at your um your iPad to see am I still connected and you're touching the screen to see how many minutes are left and, yeah. and stuff like that. Alrighty, now look what else do we want to run through this week. Um, Nine have been commissioning a lot of stuff. You know, they've, so you get the feeling that they're, the new CEO's come in, Hugh Marks, he's looked at the slate and gone, oh gee, it's a bit thin. And you look at their first um, quarter, they're still per- persevering with something like Embassy on a Wednesday night, which mm. is doing less than half a million people at 7.30, which by old nine standards would be, this show's gone after one screening, but they're leaving it in the slots. 
Although even at their upfronts last year, well, for this year's content, they were talking about the fact that they'd be commissioning a lot more Australian content this year, and that was their serious push. So this is still in line with that sort of as a philosophy. So these shows may not necessarily be Hugh Marks sort of gear. Yeah, but they're not. Yeah, but I just get the feeling they think, oh, you know, with stuff they're going to pop out quickly. Like Celebrity Come Dine With Me was announced just recently, and it's going to be on air this year. So they're really going to have to turn it around quickly. Maybe apart from that, none of the other things are really, you know, they're not things that are going to top the rankings, you know. They're they're just like, you know, Unreal Estate, which I think was announced earlier this year, and this week they announced the hosts. It's just people visiting, you know. I don't know whether the people hosting are actually going to be in these houses or they'll just do a narration, you know. Yeah. Um, Fitzy and Whipper hosting 20 to 1. Now, that one is the one that really stood out at me because I think the big thing that's really missing on broadcast TV is, I'll say late night show, but something along those lines where you do have a show with a very specific host who is a figurehead for that channel of whom really represents what the channel is, can do some promotion on the channel. And, you know, I mean, you don't really have anything like that on TV right now. Like, Rove was probably the last real sort of remnant of that. You kind of had Hamish and Andy slightly, but that's always been a lot of... Uh, you know, travel shows more than anything. Yeah, but I don't else. think 21's really a return to the glory that. days of variety oh, TV. God, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I mean, at least with Fitz and Whipper there, it still seems like two personalities and it still feels studio based. Oh, yeah, it's better than of. just a, yeah. a, a, you know, a, um, a voice, isn't it? That's yeah. you know, a generic voiceover person. But I mean, but, even so, I still think there is just that gap in the market where I looked at a lot of these shows coming through and there just isn't something to really make me think about Channel 9 as a broadcaster. You use the phrase playout system, talking about Channel 7 with their online catch-up, and it feels the same way with the TV now, where it just doesn't really feel like there's actually a heart and soul to a lot of these channels. Yeah, interesting comment. I mean, I think 20 to 1 did fantastically well, but gee whiz, it's it's a different world these days, you know. Mm. I think we had some, was it The Amazing Naughties has just finished, which yeah. I think was vaguely <laughs> a similar thing, just a, clip, so. a clip show with a few people going, yeah, my best memory of 1984 is... Or, or in this case, 2004. Yeah. You know, um, it just didn't resonate with anybody. And I just, because these clips are a dime a dozen now. So throwing them together over an hour, I mean, the, the magic ingredient could be Fitzy and Whipper. Mm. That might get you to watch it. Um, I'm not sure that's really proven to be uh, true on TV yet, but we'll see. Well, no, no. I guess they haven't had a real crack at prime time, have they? No. This will be it. This will be their chance to shine. Um, yeah. Shine. Um, what else was Travel Guides, which was, you know, um, I don't know much about sex ed and a show called The Briefcase. You know, they're not, yeah. they're nice little um, stocking fillers almost, aren't they? But uh, not, they're, they're really the hardly going to drive the schedule. Yeah. I mean, sex ed might get a bit of um, controversy around it. So, you know, get people talking slightly. But even so, there's so many of those sort of sex orientated programs on the air now. Like, you know, Friday night on the ABC, there's a whole bunch of them from the UK. Yeah. Uh, SBS still. Yeah. Well, SBS don't have that on Friday nights anymore. Well, they moved them somewhere else, haven't they? Oh, I think they're still on the schedule. There's fewer than there used to be. They used to yeah, be man, unless the Friday ABC nights. bought them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could be it. Like, the only other one, like, you got ABC with lukewarm sex being the Australian one. Mm. Yeah. But mm. outside of that, like, it's a pretty empty genre from Australian production, so that might get some heat. But, you know, it's tenuous. Yeah, look, Seven's owned the, um, the ratings pre-Easter, that six weeks that ends on... Um, this weekend before we go into a two-week sort of survey break uh my kitchen rules has done all the heavy lifting for them i guess first dates was uh quite successful for them as well yeah. wanted did reasonable business um downton abbey's been you know it's it's final ever um episodes haven't been doing too badly but it's really all 
really, you know, uh, the schedules run around um, my kitchen rules. First episode of Seven Year Switch did okay for them. Yeah, yep, that did okay too. Surprisingly so. And I was I thought it was good. I mean, I was surprised. (laughs) I I did Um, not care for it. Didn't you? Yeah, Yeah. and I liked it. So it had surprising depth to me. You probably would have liked it to be shallow and tackier than it was. I would have loved it to be shallow and tackier, (laughs) at least it'd be doing something. Um, I didn't find any depth in it. No, but you got those people were really revealed. And I saw some people criticising it for that. They called them sort of, why would losers like that want to go on TV? And I thought, well, that's pretty harsh. Because we all have parts of our lives that, that, you know, um, are better than others, that, you know, not everything works out the way you'd want it. Speak for yourself, James. (laughs) Things are going gangbusters for me. (laughs) I don't and, know, any uh, TV show that focuses itself around fitness trainers loses me immediately. No, nah, but these people, you know, you got to you got to sort of see some real um, some real emotion. It didn't. I mean, so much of these shows just look like oh, this is completely fake, you know. And I can't believe it. But some of these scenes, you actually thought, oh, this is probably a bit of genuine emotion here. And I just thought, help having those two counselors or whatever they were mm. um, coming into it again was sort of almost a bit boring because it. It took out some of the um, the road crash stuff out of it. It made it feel but, more TV. Yeah. Where previously yeah. it was sort of fly on the wall. Mm, mm. Yeah. But I just thought that brought some authenticity to it. Again, you could argue here, but you don't want that in a, a show like this. But, you know, I just thought it was quite good. And it was just, you know, I thought, yeah. And, um, and it did make me watch some more. Yeah, the relationship counsellor. I'm trying to think of her name at the moment. The lady... Uh, she was a mainstay on Brisbane TV for a few years. Yeah, I think she's there. been on morning TV quite a yeah. bit too. Actually. But like back in the day in Brisbane, they used to have an afternoon program called Brisbane Extra, which is air at 5.30. Yes, yep. It's the only, country in the, only state in the country that still had one of these extra programs. Around for like 20 years. Uh, Brisbane years. people always you know, <laughs> realised a good thing, didn't they? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. It was a pretty terrible show. <laughs> but she was on there almost every second episode with the relationship really? advice. And yeah. So okay. she's definitely been milking the TV thing for yeah. a while. Almost why you are going gangbusters. Maybe you listen to some of her advice. Oh, maybe. Huh? It's all soaked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where to for 9 and 10? I mean, 10 didn't have a bad start with Celebrity again, kept them on the radar, which they wanted it to do last year. It was often the number two show in those key demos. It never got within Kiwi of My Kitchen Rules, but it certainly you know, did a lot better than Australia's Got Talent. Um, probably challenged some of the younger demos for a Big Bang Theory, which certainly hasn't had a great uh, year so far. Mm. So, you know, I think 10 would be reasonably happy with that. Not much else in their schedules really... Um, you know, stood out. Yeah, I don't really find a lot of stuff driving me to their primary channel, but I've noticed Eleven's picked up a lot of the real sort of zeitgeist, the sort of really hip American comedies and dramas of late. No, you'd be just, locked on there, wouldn't you? Well, you'd I would be locked, be locked on, on there, but they're all a little bit decent at this point, so they're mm. about like one or two seasons behind, so they've kind of missed some of that heat, which is a bit disappointing. Mm. But if they can I mean, catch you up were, on it, I think they're onto something. You were all over the X-Files, though. That, that was sort of yeah, your sort of show. I'm a massive nerd from years gone by, mm. James. And um, I have, I've still got a watch it but the oj case i mean i think i'm told that's very good so i'm by easter i'm certainly going to be up to date with all of those it's highly entertaining i really recommend the oj program yeah so they've had a bit of quirky stuff like that and then there a lot of people do like um one about secretary of state um first uh, um, uh secretary oh gosh Whatever. Leone, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
whatever, the show. Whatever that, and it's followed by the, the good wife. Madam Secretary. Madam Secretary, yeah. followed by the good wife. I'm disappointed to see the ratings of the good wife haven't been doing so well. It's amazing, isn't it? When the one now. thing Tan have done really well by that show is that that show is always within a few days of the US air date. The last few weeks, they have been a bit behind, but I think catch up for the next episode. And that show, like, it's been quite strong this season. A few dodgy bits here and there. It's coming into the last, you know, five, six episodes of the show now. Like, really, that show should be performing better than it has been. I'll never forget, launched with 1.4 million people in Australia, right? Wow. The Good Wife. Um, yeah. Looked like it was going to be a runaway <laughs> smash for 10. It did pretty well for a while, but it, it really did trend down after yeah, that. It was a bit sort of lifeless, I think, for the first, like, half season. But once it found its voice, it's actually become really compelling TV. And I'm a TV snob, but I'm really into this program. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so what else? And that leaves us with Nine, you know. And Nine, yeah, look, by their own admission, um, Hugh Marks has come out and said it. Uh, Andrew Backwell's just been recently been quoted, yeah, look, terrible start to the year. Hugh Marks has definitely signalled to the troops there that he wants them to compete a lot harder next year. AGT certainly wasn't... Um, wasn't a great choice. I mean, I say in hindsight, but there were certainly some red flags there before they even put it to air with, you know, its history in the market here. It mm. just went down to such a point at seven that they thought, well, we can't run this anymore. Nine ran one series of it a couple of years ago. Didn't do very well, so then they binned it. So through the um, the sales skill, I guess, of Fremantle Media people, they said, look, this is a big format. And it is. I mean, you gotta, it's a massive format in the UK. It's a massive format in the US. You know, if we get the mix right here, this could take off, but it didn't really gel, did it? I know. When I saw Dave Hughes' smiling face coming across the screens, I just felt like it was just kind of the wrong choice of host. Yeah, was it about the host, though? But I mean, Could Dave you Hughes, tell me the hosts of the US or the UK one? Oh, look, I can't. But well, I mean, just go, think about Dave Hughes. Like, he's a very cynical comedian in a lot of regards. Yeah, but I don't think that... I don't, I don't think you can pin the failure of AGT on Oh, no, no. Hughes. But I mean, he's kind of the face of it. I mean, like, really, his face was there. Like, I think the judges have bigger faces than the host. But I mean, I'm just thinking, like, in terms of him, like, he's a bit of a cynical host, where I think for a show like that, you need someone... Well, it's a change of character for him, if yeah. that's what you're getting at, maybe. It's oh, well, not what you would expect Dave Hughes to do. It's not what I'd expect him to host. Yeah. And so, I mean, I agree I've never tuned into it because it didn't feel like... We used to be on with Will Anderson and Corinne. Um, uh, the Glass House. The Glass House. Now that's yeah. more a debut show, isn't it? Completely cheeky, yeah. irreverent. You know, and it was a bit edgy, a bit. And that's everything AGT's not, is it? Yeah, and yeah. similar with his role in the project, wasn't it? Mm. That was his. That was his gig there to be the. You know, yeah. a bit of the disruptor. You know. Yeah. But, I mean, that show doesn't really deal well with disruption. I mean, just format-wise, it doesn't really quite lend itself to disruption. Talking about AGT. A, uh, yeah. the, the project, rather. Oh, the project. But, I mean, AGT yep. as well. Like, it's just, I think it's the wrong host for that format. Mm. And, I mean, even if he modified his um, shtick for that program, from a viewer perspective, you're just not checking out the show because it's like, oh, what's Dave Hughes doing there? It's just a bit odd. You're yeah. not tuning in for that because you're not going to get the Dave Hughes experience in the show. And if you know who Dave Hughes is, like, he doesn't feel right for the show either. So... So that just leaves Channel 10 as the next possible customer for Australia's Got Talent. <laughs> and hey, in a couple of years' time, you never know. You, would, you yeah. wouldn't say never, you know. Well, they revived Survivor Australia for this year, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, and if they can um, they can give that mouth-to-mouth and get it going, yet mm. you think, well, sure, we can uh, tackle anything. Well, it hasn't really been done right in Australia yet, so... Yeah, well, it's so, only been done once. And they brought The Bachelor to life in a way I mm. wasn't expecting. Mm. And Family Feud's doing okay for them, which is... Ex- like, you know, surprising everyone, I think. Yeah. Let's so. um, just, just mention uh, quickly then some of the... So we're at this Easter break, some of the stuff coming up after the break. The magazine's picked out a few highlights. Uh, 
I guess a bit of personal preference has come into it. I mean, MasterChef will do wonders, I think, for the 10 schedule. Mm. It looks really good this year. You know, you've got some of the, the big international names like Heston Blumenthal, uh, Nigella Lawson, Marco Pierre-White, who seems to spend as much time in Australia as he probably almost does in the UK. So, you know, they're, they're big ratings attractions. The the Aussie people like Maggie Beer, Kylie Kwong, Luke Nguyen, they're always well-received as you know, in addition. So I just expect that to do very well. If they had a Maggie Beer special, which just her talking about her chocolate ice cream <laughs> with the salted caramel through it, I would watch that for hours. And had a special code at the end where you could get a discount. <laughs> oh, man, I am in. <laughs> On the ice cream. That'd do very well. Um, Gogglebox is coming back now. You know, it's second rights, but t- 10 still seem to do all right out of it, you know, because it's, it's already screened to people with Foxtel. Yeah, but you think about the number of people with Foxtel and then you break that down against the number of people watching that channel specifically. Mm. The audience is really quite small and it always seemed a bit of a weird fit for Foxtel in a way it makes sense on Free to Wear Maybe TV. especially on Lifestyle Channel too. Yeah, but like I think a show like that really just needs volume of audience behind it and there's enough people tuning in to 10 for what's a fairly low-cost show for them, but it's a show well, you that, think so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm surprised it's a model they haven't revisited since because this is probably over a year now or yeah we sort of 12 months of gogglebox now isn't it yeah. really um i don't think you want to over it though no but i mean just those joint commissions where you know it does save you a bit of money and it mm. could be a bit of drama or something that you put on showcase and yeah gee whiz how many people even foxtel subscribers showcase is a little bit off the radar i think for them you know because it's a very it's quite high end i mean until something i guess like game of thrones co- comes on and then nobody has any trouble finding the showcase no that's it yeah um Elsewhere at 10, um, I mean, that's pretty much it because, I mean, Offspring's coming. Uh, we're going to have Brock later in the year. But when you've got a hit format like MasterChef, it runs from Sunday to Thursday, you know, 7.30 to 9.30. I mean, that's your schedule. You know, you just fill it around with some of the other contract content you've got. Okay. And um, Bob's your uncle. Also, um, I mean, they just launched their uh, long-lost family program. So, you know, they've definitely got other shows that are running during this time. Yeah, but these will be squeezed. I think these shows will be over by the time um, MasterChef starts in a few weeks because you can see them trying to get through... getting through, uh, they're burning through their Bondi Rescue and Territory Cops by showing twice a week. Mm. So I think they'll... I don't know how long the gap will be, but it might be six weeks or something until until MasterChef launches. Uh, Seven Network going with, they've changed the name of House Rules to Crowded House Rules, which is interesting. And I think the 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 hook there is that all these families in this show are really overcrowded. So there's maybe, you know, three or four kiddies sleeping in the one room. The, the family's birth, the house is bursting at the seams. So there's a real, there's a real you know, uh, need to get these people into a better home. They have to have a crowded house theme song, don't they? <laughs> you would hope so. Well, you'd presume. The money, like the budget's got to be there for that. Mm. Otherwise, mm. I'm not sticking around. I'm saying <laughs> that right here. But I think this was a series made originally for last year, but they decided not to run it, to hold it uh, for this year. They were going to run two seasons last year, I'm pretty sure. I don't, I don't think it was the year before. So... Um, so they'll give it a, a coat of paint and a bit of a refresh in the promos and all that, I guess, to, to make it look good. Um, otherwise, there's not a whole lot of new material. that uh, and, and Seven don't really need to do much new, you know. So Crowded House Rules will be multi-night format. It'll do well. My Kitchen Rules have still got a fair bit to run. Because Easter's so early this year, there'll be extra weeks um, into Q2. Downton Abbey's still got about you know, a month's worth of episodes to go. 
there'll be new uh, episodes of Blind Spot, which is the most successful US series launch for quite some time. Now, it's interesting. I don't have the graph in front of me, but I was talking to uh, one of our editors at Media Week, Brian, who was showing me something on Vulture, which represented the audience drop they've had in the US for this season against last. Okay. And there's only about like four or five shows that have increased their audience this year. The rest are all like in massive negative figures. So huge drop-offs in the US for this season. Was Blindspot one that went up? Or uh, I don't think down? it was in those. Like literally there were four or five shows. Can you remember any of the ones that went up? Um, I'm scrambling right now to try to find the article on Vulture. Okay, which are Vultures, which is the um, for New York Magazine's online home of all their entertainment stuff. Uh, great magazine new york i'm a big fan and yeah and culture they brand it's all their entertainment content they throw in there look i might move on to channel nine uh while you're furiously looking at that sorry just on channel seven as well they've got a few local commissions happening there's cannonball which i'm confused about how that's a show um, <laughs> well i mean the execution could prove me wrong but at the same time i got a sneaking feeling you're looking forward to it oh yeah quietly. i'm totally watching that thing yeah <laughs> But it's just people doing like slides down a massive ramp and then doing cannonballs into water. <laughs> I, it's going to be fun, but I don't quite know how it's an ongoing program. Uh, but then I've also got the big music quiz. And I reckon that could be a surprising sort of um, audience uh, magnet mm. the channel. Like that seems like something which we've seen programs in Australia like Spicks and Specs and also uh, Rockwiz on SBS, which I think is the superior of the two uh, music. Yeah, well, I heard but, the host of... Um the big music quiz this week call this their format a virtually um, uh, a, a sort of a refreshed, revamped, um, shiny floor version of Spicks and Specs. Yeah, and it is. like I think this is going to be one of these things that gets the conversation happening. And it's a big mainstream pop music culture conversation. And, you know, I think that's going to really work for them. Mm. In the same way that 20 to 1 just is this sort of um, great mainstay on Channel 9 where people like to be reminded of stuff. And it's a retrospective look back at things that people have a cultural connection to. And this, I think, is going to have that sort of fun live studio feels wouldn't we? I just yeah, wonder if the owner hard. of that Spicks and Specs uh, format has uh, searched out that little bit of audio where the, um, the the host of this new format talks about how similar it is to Spicks and Specs, yeah. just in case. You Deploying know, the lawyers. Just in case they need to uh, get up there. But I mean, this one's based on a UK, UK format game show yep. as well. Yep. And yeah. I think they're also making, is it, no, is there something else? They're making a version in New Zealand. That's something else I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, Channel 9. Yeah, okay, they, so they really need to get a hurry on, don't they? Um, the uh, Renault Rumble yes. is um, actually starting pre-Easter. So they're trying to get a bit of sort of momentum up for that. We're um, a year and a half in, I still read that as a Reno Rumble. <laughs> um, so it's um, David Barber and Julian Crest, you know, the very successful producers of The Block. A format not unlike The Block, and even with the same host that The Block's got. So you could almost call it The Block. <laughs> Well, pretty much. But we'll the call block it, by another name. Yeah, we'll call it Renault Rumble. Um, so that that's back to try and get them a bit of um, momentum. It's a shorter season than the block. The block runs for about 12, 13 weeks. I think the last time Renault Rumble ran for about six weeks. But nine will need it to perform better than it did last time. Mm. But last time, I think it was up against house rules. So they were sort of eating into the same audience there by launching it um, next week in, uh, in late March. They'll... They, they'll get a bit of airtime, so I think My Kitchen Rules will be off for a week, so they can start without that. So they'll get a week's head start before the return of My Kitchen Rules. So if they can jag a few viewers, yeah. that's good news for them. No, that's it, every little bit. 
Um, but the the interesting show is probably um, is the Daryl Summers <laughs> program, you know, where they a game show where they hypnotise people uh, called your your back in the room. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big magnet for <laughs> online Twitter conversation. But whether or not it's a broader viewer magnet, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it could go either way, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, it could be massive, or it could be, you know, well, why did we buy that one? Um, again, they're 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 relying. There's not a lot of other new things coming in Q2. There's another so series what, sorry, of. Um, you're back in the room. If they had Dave Hughes hosting that, oh, stop it! No, like that maybe could actually fit. Like I'm just a bit concerned that Daryl, like he's a very likable person, but I don't know if he's got the edge that maybe that show needs to transcend. Yeah, back in the room is actually a format as well. Its second season's just started in the UK and and. In Australia, it's Fremantle Media making it. In New Zealand, it's Screen Time making it for TV2, and it's a format sold in this market. In case you're going to ask me, uh, Dan, the um, sold by BBC Worldwide. Now, also coming from Nine is um, a second season of, um, is it Love at First Sight? Uh, Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight, yeah, which did very well. It's probably their biggest real hit from uh, 20. 2015 if you yeah. like and they've they've committed to two seasons this year so they'll be hoping that uh can uh, re-engage with some of last year's audience uh one of the things just as a bit of a bit of tv nerdery to look out for with it is to see if they include a gay couple in the show this year because okay. you may recall last year there was a bit of social media outrage when they found out that it was just straight couples sort of as a bit of a affront to the fact that this show is kind of just sort of playing around with the idea of marriage and it's just a bit of a cheese sort of look at marriage but you know it just seems to be flying in the face of the gay marriage laws which are a bit of a hot topic well, issue does having a gay couple as the new judges on uh, Renault rumble qualify and maybe well, does it give them the same thing <laughs> does that give them a bit of cred so and I, mean, I think there's a bit of justification to the outrage on that one but if they include a gay couple in there and first dates i think last week had the first gay couple on that program so right. this is something that dating shows i think need to be aware of and first dates have definitely ticked that box where married at first sight didn't first season but this season i think they may SBS has got some interesting stuff coming up um i guess their biggest program in that q2 will be uh, eurovision which I th- is it in Stockholm again? Oh this gosh, year? you really can't remember. I'm a big Eurovision guy. But anyway, yeah, Eurovision. So that's that happens in May. I'm certain of that fact. Um, gives them, I think last year it was their, probably their second biggest audience of the year after Struggle Street. So uh, it does very well for them. Interesting to note, Struggle Street still not confirmed again for um, for 2016. I wouldn't expect to see it back, to be honest. The highest rating program. It did do very well, but the fact very that well. it yeah. well, we're ranked number thirty-one for the year, and SBS would never dream of getting a show in the, even the top one hundred for the year. Yeah. So I mean, it's, to me, it's just incredible that it's not coming back. Yeah, I don't know. Do I, two of them. I just would have thought that if it was coming back by now, we'd have heard. About I can it. understand it's problematic for them. Yeah. I think all the dump trucks out the front of their but TV hey, station. Was you know, managing in. Kyle Sanderlands is problematic for. <laughs> for the people he works for, but it's worth it for the upside. Yeah, but I'm not seeing the Sanderland show appearing <laughs> over there at SBS, so I think they're after a different speed over there. Okay, so what, what have they got? They've got, I'm, I'm looking forward to Inside Heston's World. It's only four episodes, but it's the story of uh, Heston Blumenthal closing the, uh, now, what do I get, the, the, is it the Fat Duck? Yeah, the Fat, Fat Duck, Duck is his sort of world-renowned restaurant in the UK, closing it down, relocating it to Melbourne and bringing every one of the staff out, which was an um, amazing thing. So that mm. that chronicles that and in, in wraps it up in four episodes. You can imagine if a commercial broadcaster was on that, it would be about 26 weeks or something. <laughs> but um, So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. 
Yeah. Uh, that'll go on to their Thursday nights. Now, Adam, I think it's Lau is how you pronounce it. He was a MasterChef winner. He does those Destination Flavor series. Mm. His latest one is Scandinavia. Um, so that's coming back. That'll be on their Thursday nights. Um, I think these all debut on is it March 31, and it's a big night. And they've also got the... It's not really Nordic drama, but it's sort of... They call it uh, multilingual drama or L-O-T-E language other than English. Uh, John Hurt's one of the cast members of the series called The Last Panthers. Yeah, which I hear isn't really a particularly great show. Oh, come on. It's a few years old, isn't it? Oh, it's actually not that old. I think it it was late last year. Okay. Like, it's pretty recent. Well, maybe the fact that SBS was able to pick it up when other people didn't or something. No, that's it. But, I mean, I think it's a fairly high-profile show, if only just because the opening theme is a David Bowie track. Yeah, which apparently you wrote for the show or something. Yeah, so, it's an actual original Yeah, so you can expect a lot of uh, PR around that in the promos for it. Mm. But I think it probably looks promising. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but I just have, I've heard it's not like one of the greats. I'm a bit of a sucker for that sort of stuff. Um, and I just saw today uh, Vikings Season 4 is on, um, doing reasonable business for, for SBS in terms of their audiences, and they've just commissioned a Season 5. Yeah. Which is um, which is pretty good. Um, ABC, you're more of an ABC man, aren't you, Dan? Oh, you know, I do spend a bit of time on that channel, <laughs> on that radio station. Um, and we've talked a lot about their commitment to Aussie dramas via the Thursday evening slot, um, which most recently has been Jack Irish, which is just finished. Yeah, did pretty good business for them, I think. I know, you know, six hundred odd thousand people. Yeah, which final is, episode was in his top ten last night. Yeah, so. which is okay for 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 a drama show on a Thursday night. Uh, Janet King. Uh, for the Marta Dusseldorp Army. Um, it's hard to make a show these days that Marta Dusseldorp <laughs> isn't in. Of course, she was in Jack Irish, and now she's in... Um, so I wonder if she'll be in the next... Will she get a guest appearance in Rake, I wonder, because Rake will be next in that. Uh, quite possibly. And it wouldn't be a shock if she did. So it would be pretty good, wouldn't it, if the first three drama series all had a connection to Marta Dusseldorp? <laughs> well, I believe she's also an EP on this program as well, so... Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, now, I didn't see the first season of Janet King... Right. But I have noticed it's on most of the streaming services. So in yep. the next few days, I think yep. I'm going to plough through that. I did see the first episode. There was that show that Janet King spun out of. Crownies? Yeah, Crownies. Yeah, I'm still a bit confused yeah. by that whole people Janet did, King Crownies. People didn't Janet take to Crownies. Oh, my understanding is Janet King's really quite different, sir. The tone and flavour of Crownies. Mm. But the few episodes I saw of that I kind of liked. The Crownies. Of Crownies. Yeah, I'm, I'm big, not the only one. It was one, a big commission. I think they made something like 20 something episodes like of Crownies. Episodes. Yeah, it was a massive, yeah. massive done commission. Since. <laughs> so and it was a big win for um at screen time you think they would have been high-fiving each other when that commission came through oh definitely but janet king i think is much more hard-edged than yep. what crownies was and this season i think is i'm trying to remember it was a really good conceit for the season uh it was sort of like a task force being set up it's okay yeah I, I think it's fun to watch yeah no it sounds good a couple of other things on the abc we mentioned rake will be after that uh, after janet king uh the checkouts coming back which was one of my favorites i I love the checkout every week. It's yeah. very funny. It's, you know, you learn a lot of stuff as well. I never remember to watch it every week, but every time I tune in, I like, kick myself and I'm like, I know. why am I not it is, Yeah, it's one of those shows that could probably do with a little bit of a higher profile, but that's one of the challenges for mm. the ABC, isn't it? You know, how, how can they fund marketing campaigns to tell people about some of these shows? That's it. Uh, now, a show that's coming to the ABC, which I just got a media release about a short while ago. Uh, I just want to find the correct date for it. I think it's the 23rd of April. We're seeing the launch of Tomorrow When the, when the War Began, which there was a movie a couple of years ago. Rings based on it. It's mm-hmm. a kids uh, series of kids' books from 
author's name forgotten. Okay. Uh, this is a series that came out like John about Lacaro, a year or two after no, I was too Stephen old. Stephen King? No, no, it's not Stephen okay. King. It's definitely, you know, it's... <laughs> uh, but it's like an Aussie uh, series okay. of kids' books. Tim uh, Winton? No. No, I wish I had this up on my screen. My internet <laughs> is very sluggish out here, James. What's that awful? I'd like um, to come across much smarter than I awful, am with um, What's that Microsoft? What's the product? The... Um, <laughs> John Marsden, that's the author's name. Oh, okay, yep, yeah. Yep, but anyway, good. it's a series of John Marsden books. There was a film like maybe about four or five years ago based on it. It came out and went into cinemas. It didn't do that well. But these books are beloved by people sort of, you're looking at people now sort of um, maybe 20 through 35. Like this is the core audience for these books. And they are going to be very excited about this TV show coming. And I think it's one of these books that teachers are now forcing kids to read at school as part of the English curriculum. So I think there's going to be a much bigger audience for this than people expect. And a mate of mine has done some time as a writer on the show, and he was saying that it should uh, certainly appease people who weren't that into the movie. I'm glad you revealed that uh, connection. I wonder why you were pushing it. (laughs) He's not one of the major writers on it, but he (laughs) did do some time on it, and apparently it's quite good. But no, just I think that is a title that a lot of people will be more excited by than you'd think. Yeah. And if you look on the traffic, James, on our website, um, one of our previous stories on it did remarkably well, and it's consistently so. Stop plugging yourself, will you? <laughs> yeah. now, it wasn't listen, my story, I'm just saying. It's finally maybe on the ABC. Oh, look, I love my um, corny English dramas. You know, that's great. Oh, it's great weekend viewing. Uh, Father Brown is coming back. Um, it's okay. It's not one of my must-watches, but I do thoroughly enjoy it. Father Brown's one of the UK... Yeah, one yeah. of the UK dramas. Yeah, set in lovely, you know cutesy sort of English villages <laughs> yeah. it's just fantastic Grandchester's the other one which I'm a bit more of a fan of that's that's great too it's uh, James Norton who's just finished his stint in uh, War and Peace as well uh, Robson Green so really two quite high profile actors would uh, really power this season along and gee whiz I know I've, I've talked about War and Peace before but wow that last episode it was something special. It was almost movie length. It went forever, but she was a good episode. Was there it was only six. Yeah. So to wrap up the War and Peace in mm. six uh, parts was great, and it really, and they just seemed to cover all the, the principal things, and it just did it so well. And that, that last episode, wow. Yeah, and War and Peace obviously airing here on BBC first. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, it'll probably turn up this time next year on the ABC, mm. and I'd be, you know, I think it'll do really well for them. Yeah. Um, Foxdale things coming up. I guess that the big thing is um, Game of Thrones, isn't it? I mean, most watched show last year by you know a runaway landslide. Um, oh, massive. Nine of the ten, you know, top ten non-sport programs on Foxdale last year were Game of Thrones episodes. Mm. Arguably, um, it'll do it again this year too, won't it? I think. Oh yeah, this year is going to be massive for it. And the mm. thing with a lot of these high-end cable dramas is year on year they build audience and they don't really lose any audience that goes. So it's kind of this sort of juggernaut, sort of runaway train, James. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Now, do you do you know much you can say about Game of Thrones? Oh, under- look, um, I try to sort of steer clear of spoilers on it and I'm terrible with Game of Thrones character names. Same. Which I think is the majority of Which I want to try and fix before this new season starts. Yeah, I, yeah. I really feel like I... I my son's been watching all the old ones again, which is really clever, but I don't have the time to do that. So I'd really feel like I almost bought a book or I'd, I'd love a good family... Reading, James. Family. <laughs> oh, I know. Wow. <laughs> oh, I'd really like a great family tree I could study in. So I've got to do a bit of research, but gee, that date's starting to get close. Yeah, I think I'm just going to do maybe an episode a night for the next couple of weeks. and Catch up on Yeah, just squeeze Just in. what, the season before? I think I'm just going to do it all. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I've got a partner at home and she keeps on saying that, I'm going to watch it this year, and never does, but I think this might be the year she 
Yeah, and um, my partner, it's can't watch Game of Thrones, the violence and all that sort of stuff, which I can understand does yeah. affect some people, but you know mm-hmm. the numbers would indicate not too many of them yeah. put uh, off for, by that. For bragging rights, I got to talk to Alfie Allen during the week. Stop it. Oh, look, I'm just saying, I had a few minutes. You know, we're practically best friends now. Uh, yeah. Photographic evidence to... Um, I can get any photos. Oh, I find okay. it a bit unprofessional doing a selfie when I'm interviewing someone. Well, it doesn't stop everyone else. I know. Dan Barrett. I mean, gee, just have a look at some people's Twitter accounts. They're full of... Um, I'm just based with too much ethical... Selfies of this guy from... Um, I just wonder if they had any time to interview him. They're just making sure <laughs> they got the photo, right? Yeah, I should have done it in retrospect. But, you know, no, I, I don't feel think awkward. you should have. It's good to see you um, taking one for the team and using every second you've got with him to probe him for um, information <laughs> but yeah so we had a really good chat and that will be a media week podcast in a couple of weeks time yeah yeah well, it's good we'll just guard that audio with your life we yeah, don't want yeah. any accidents with those files maybe uh, do a nice little backup or something it's in the media week vaults at the moment so it's oh nothing could possibly go impenetrable <laughs> nothing could now look the Kettering incident is finally going to air I don't know if technically it will be Q2 but we think it might be around June we have had sort of dates before for this in the past that have come and gone but I think this is really it though I think this will be on for sure um, there'll be more place to call home this year and uh, Wentworth the next season of Wentworth is going to be back pretty soon too yeah and a place to call home I think is filming at the moment so Tharad and Camden oh they did, yeah. didn't they film I think seasons three and four together or was that Wentworth they did it that Maybe way Wentworth. I can't remember yeah I, know, I just remember seeing something about cameras being out there for okay yeah okay yeah it'll probably be a bit I don't know if it'll be queued to um, for a place to call home but I think it will be um, definitely later this year um, one little thing Foxdale's doing is that um, for Easter a Harry Potter pop-up movie channel which is interesting. So now there's eight movies mm. back to back. Now they're long movies, aren't they? It's, it's, say they're four hours each, let's say. Four yeah. eights are 32. So it's about a day and a half to watch the whole lot. Mm. So it will take up a fair bit of your Easter if you want to do that. Yeah, no, I guess so. Oh, I find the idea of the pop-up channel a little bit strange just because there's other channels they could do it. Like why not make that an event thing on one of the existing movie channels? It makes it a bit more special, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess. You know, if you're watching the Harry Potter. Now, do you, I'm guessing you've seen all the Harry Potter movies. No, I'm not really a Harry Potter. Any of the Harry Potter movies? I've seen the first, like, two and a half. Just Was to that try a, to get I'm a feeling I for I thought it. you might have at least. Well, did really, you read any of the books? I'm a big fan of the uh, director, Alfonso Cuaron. So How many did he direct? Um, I think he did two okay. films, maybe three. So I thought I'd check it out for that, and I just couldn't stick with it. You never read any of the books? Didn't do the books. I'm an adult man. I couldn't go back. Well, you're a nerd. And well, yeah. Some adult nerds still do Harry Potter because I'm, it's I'm seems... too busy with my comic books, James. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one of my favourite channels is um, Fox Footy. So that's... I mean, oh, that's... sorry. Can just... Oh, yep. sorry. Fox Footy. Yeah, Fox Footy. That, it's always on, of course, but it's, you know, lots of new content now that the footy season's underway. There's a new show called AFL Tonight. I um, spoke to the host, Sarah Jones, this week, told us a little bit about the show. That's in, um, it's interesting, it screens first on Fox Sports and then it's on Fox Footy later in the day. So I think that's partly in response to AFL Media, have their own big media division now, yeah. sort of controlling all their own content. And they do lots of video. I think they have a, a video afternoon news show, which is really pretty good so i think it's a bit of a response to that they they fox footy channel wait wants to be seen as still the go-to place for 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 football news they don't want afl media sort of coming in and and stealing that and some people might ask they've already stolen it but i don't think that's okay yeah i mean afl media is a much bigger threat to foxtel than netflix is yeah um 
I mean, if AFL Media decides to take care of distribution themselves... Uh, it's a big threat. I don't know if it's a bigger threat, but it, I, they're both big threats. I'm just saying, I mean, Foxtel's basis is really on sports these days. I mean, that's mm. the biggest... Yeah, I think there's wise. a lot of hype about Netflix as a competitor. Oh, I, don't think I think it's yeah. just... It's an alternative. You know, it's mm. another way to consume media. Oh, it is. But I don't think it means you're definitely going to give up all your old ways, does it? No, I don't think so. Because I think when you really drill down... For a lot of general viewers, there's probably not a lot of Netflix content they're dying to see, you know? No, that's exactly it. And the thing is, like, People TV like is... you have talked up Netflix so no. much. You've hyped it up so much, I Dan have. Barrett. <laughs> the people that's got Richard a massive brand. And now Paul is... Yeah. So when you actually get it, you go, hmm, okay. It's, all, <laughs> it's almost a, um, you know, a little bit of a letdown. No, I mean, I think Netflix isn't a solution by itself, but you bundle Netflix together with, say, three or four other streaming services, sure. and that's where your value proposition is. Mm. And as we're starting to see in Australia with things like Hey You launching, you know, you get reality shows there, you get your general entertainment from Netflix, you maybe also bundle in a Stan or a Presto, and then you look for the two or three other sorts of content you like and you bundle that in, and that's where you've got your Netflix, uh, your Foxhole competitor, it's picking up these small little niche services. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, a Foxhole show I just wanted yep. to really highlight is BBC First, and it's coming next week sometime, uh, The Night Manager. I think Sunday night. Yeah. They had a preview soon. this week, which I... Forgot to go to, and I'm guessing you didn't go. I don't think I got an invite to that one. Oh, well, oh there well. you go. <laughs> I'm going to be making some you know, complaints by email shortly. Uh, but no, that have, looks great. I have seen the first couple of episodes of it already. Now, Elizabeth Debicki in that? Elizabeth Debicki's in it. Uh, the stars of it, though, is Tom Hiddleston, who people would have seen playing Loki in the Marvel films. Uh, also, Hugh Laurie is the other lead in it. And this is about a guy of whom is working as a night manager in a hotel in Egypt. A lady comes in who uses his fax machine and the thing she's faxing is a whole lot of um, inventory lists of things that have been uh, provided to the uprising that's happening in Egypt at the time. Uh, Anyway, it seems that the Hugh Laurie character is involved in it and he's the head of this large, um, effectively a company that sort of specializes in war equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, so, it does look pretty good from the, yeah. the promos. It's, it's really, really tense. The, like, it looks gorgeous. The acting's phenomenal. Like, this is, I think, definitely one of the shows of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's there's lots of good BBC um, first stuff, and it's just it's one of those channels again. Like you said with the checkout, I often forget to check the channel because there's, yeah. there's lots of good things in it. I've actually I didn't bring it with me, and I've got a list. I've been compiling a list of <laughs> um, of Easter viewing because Easter this year I'm not going anywhere. And so I'm going to try and knock off a lot of things on my to-do list. And mm. um, some of those are BBC series that I've never heard of, Yeah, but um, which I just want to try and find somewhere. There's a lot and, of great um, UK gems that uh, I think get lost on BBC first because, I don't know, people just don't really seem to know the shows exist, yeah. let alone. Yeah, no, no it just, yeah. just runs Check all the out. time with, uh, with good stuff. Uh, something worth checking out is uh, this weekend Netflix are launching the second season of Daredevil which is one of the Marvel TV shows that they're doing. Um, it was a surprisingly very good first season, so I'm curious to see the second was season. Was there a Daredevil movie? There was a Daredevil movie in about 2002, 2003. Was that long ben ago, Affleck. was it? Okay. Um, terrible movie. Okay, really, really bad. Uh, maybe just give that one a bit of a miss, but the TV series is a lot more grounded. It's a very gritty, dark um, TV show. It takes it in a direction that the Marvel movies can't really take it in, so it needs to be a bit more sort of crowd-pleasing. Uh, but the second season is a set of different showrunners for the second season, and there's an entirely new sort of take on the series. So I'm keen to look at that. I was given preview access, but I had to sign an NDA for it, and I couldn't be bothered. So 
we've just got to wait till this weekend. So yeah. I think that's actually tonight as it gets rolled out. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that'll be worth a look. And if you are someone of whom subscribes to a few foreign services that maybe you shouldn't be because of DNS services and whatnot, um, strong recommendations for The Carmichael Show, which is an NBC sitcom. This looks on paper to be terrible. It's a African-American family comedy, multi-camera sitcom. Should be awful in every possible way. But this show is uh, this small African-American family with a stand-up comedian as the core of the show. Um, trying to think of the guy's name. It's like Jared Carmichael is the comedian. Uh, basically, it's them looking at uh, American society in the way that the Jeffersons used to or all in a family and all these sitcoms of the 70s. It seems really loud and crass and bombastic for the first two or three minutes. But once you actually start listening to the jokes and realize what they're doing, it's the funniest, most insightful comedy from the US in years and years. Like it is very sharp and well worth a look. So if you can get it, would it be on Hulu? Uh, it's definitely on Hulu okay. um, or a torrent site. I haven't heard of an Australian broadcaster picking this up yet. And I don't think it'll play that well if it does get played here. Okay, just purely because it looks so just obnoxious and terrible from the and outside. Just remind me again, I've, I actually have Hulu access, but I go there so infrequently. The mm. the difference between the Hulu free and Hulu premium. Um, so Hulu Plus is their premium service. So what do you get okay. there okay. you don't get on the free one? So Hulu you can only really get through the website, but if you want to do it through one of the apps or through like a smart TV interface, it's Hulu Plus then. So they make you pay for the lean back experience of it. Um, all you're really getting is some of the US TV shows, broadcast shows. Uh, they're pretty much sort of as soon as they go to air in the US, they're available on Hulu Plus on the Hulu.com so, website. They're usually a day or two later. Oh, okay. So it's just getting them a bit so earlier. You're paying for that access. Okay. Uh, but Hulu's actual strength is a lot of the original commissions they're doing right now. So they've done two or three things now. So um, the first sort of big one was this thing called Difficult People, which was fine. Um, Casual was their second thing, and it was by Jason Reitman, and that was actually a really compelling watch. In Australia, we've seen 11.22.63, which is their mm. most recent one. Yep. But in two weeks' time, they're watching The Catch, which is a cult-based family drama starring the guy from Breaking Bad, uh, the younger guy. Name forgotten. Your use of the word cult. Like, it's, it's actually Fairly, you, you do drop that into a lot of shows. <laughs> But no, this is actually about but a cult. Piques my interest. Oh, yeah. sorry. So it's not a no, cult. No, it's not a cult show. Oh, it is about, about a cult. cult. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, this it. looks really compelling, and uh, it's by one of the former writers from Parenthood of all okay, places. Yeah. But yeah, it's this compelling family drama about a um, hippie dippy cult that has some sort of dark underpinnings to it. But this show looks amazing, and I think it might be one of those big talking points in the next couple of months. Alrighty, well, that's good. We might wrap it up there. Fair enough. Yeah, I think so. It's getting a bit warm in here. You've closed all the windows, so it's... Um, well, there's a lot of noise out there. <laughs> I'm cooking. <laughs> so I've got to go and cool down. All right, great talking to you, Dan. Um, now, what what did you want me to do? Now, you got to... We've got... The, the website's had a bit of a tart up lately, mediaweek.com.au. Fully tarted up, James. Lots of content, <laughs> lots of new stuff. Yeah. Um, virtually daily improvements, I think, aren't there? Um, yeah, every day. If there aren't, there should be. <laughs> <laughs> Refresher. No, it's looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so check out the website. Also, connect with us on social media. So both Twitter and Facebook. Search for Media Week AUS for Australia, and you can find us there. Also, if you like this podcast, subscribe to it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. Get it out there. Leave reviews. Helps other people find the show. Wonderful stuff. All right, Dan, always good talking to you, mate. We'll do it again soon. Fantastic. This has been another Media Week podcast produced with the assistance of Abe's Audio. 
If you like this podcast, find more at mediaweek.com.au or on iTunes. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at MediaWeek AUS.